Welcome to the Eternal Connection, a radio broadcast ministry of St. Mark Lutheran Church in Omaha, Nebraska. Whether it be through prescribed behaviors, rituals, or practices, every religion in the world teaches that if we desire to know God, it is our responsibility to find Him and know Him. Christianity, however, teaches something very different. Christianity teaches that God has come to us and has revealed His love for us by putting on flesh in Jesus Christ and by giving us His Word through which He continues to speak to us today. We're glad you've joined us as Pastor Jay continues leading us through the Bible in the Gospel of John, right here, right now on The Eternal Connection. And once again, you are eternally connected on a beautiful spring day. Thank you so much for joining us. This is Pastor Eric J. from St. Mark Lutheran Church in Omaha, Nebraska, where we celebrate the gospel, the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for the salvation of the whole world, a salvation that comes by grace, God's grace through faith in Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Uh, a grace we got to see in action here this morning with the baptism at St. Mark. So we celebrate that, and uh, we're also celebrating the end of the school year, uh, which has come so quickly. Amazing. <laughs> uh, so it definitely feels like summer uh, to me here. What about you guys? Chip, Jason, how you doing? Doing great, and you hit the nail on the head. We had a senior this year ourselves, graduation, lots of ceremonies. You know, if you got kids at that age, so it's a busy time. Did he do anything uh, weird or funny when he walked across the stage? No. Oh, good. <laughs> Which is good, though. That kind of surprises me. When you talked about spring, it's funny because I immediately went to, at what temperature does it become summer? Oh, because it has about hit. 45 degrees. Okay. <laughs> For me, at least. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. At what temperature it becomes summer? Yes. At yeah. 45? Yeah. For, for, my, for my preference, for my liking. Yes. He's just a big polar bear. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, I will be the first to admit I'm looking forward to many hot days. So the 45 wasn't quite on my same page. What? Why hot days? I'm just a big fan of summer. Um, we have a trip coming up ourselves. We're headed to Phoenix. Um, In the summer. Wow. Love love the heat. The mm. the the. Yep, yeah, it's a good time. Yeah, we're very different in that regard. I uh, I have the special gift of perspiration from the Lord. About 25 degrees, it turns off. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, and Pastor, you're getting ever closer to uh, another very important day that happens at the end of the month. Yes, which explains my increased perspiration. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, for, yes, for, for son, the audience uh, benefit, uh, you're expecting your third child, which is yes, awesome. Yes, my son uh, Hezekiah uh, will be born May 30th, and we're uh, looking forward to that, and uh, also bracing ourselves for for that. We are now officially outnumbered. As parents, so it'll be interesting to see how how all that plays out. All right, well, enough about uh, enough about us. Let's get into what really matters, which is the Word of God and our Lord and Savior Jesus. We are looking at John nineteen. We're in the midst of the uh, crucifixion account. We'll be picking up in verse twenty five. Uh, of course, uh, not before we have a little bit of a recap, because context is king when you're uh, reading scripture and, and trying to have a faithful understanding of it. Chip, why don't you pray for us, and we'll dig right in. 
Lord God, you sent your word uh, that we would know your amazing plan for us, uh, the amazing plan that included your son, that was all about your son, Lord. And as we read this morning about his death on the cross, remind us that we deserved what ultimately he had to endure. We deserved death and we deserved separation from you. But Lord, in your amazing grace, you put all sins on him, Lord, uh, that we wouldn't have to look ahead to eternal uh, darkness and separation from you, but we could look through the cross and see Jesus delivering us into eternity with you. Be with us this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, John 19, starting in verse 25, we're in the midst of Jesus' crucifixion account. Um, Jesus has been betrayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, just as he said he would be. Uh, Peter has denied him three times before the rooster crowed, just as Jesus said he would. All the disciples have abandoned Jesus, just as he said they would. He's been hauled in front of Pilate, just as he predicted. He's been blasphemed. He's been lied about, uh, just as Jesus said would happen. And now he's being hauled off to carry his cross to be lifted up, uh, just as Jesus said he would be. And even as that process is taking place, we see Scripture being fulfilled every step of the way. In verse 24, uh, 23 through 24, John tells us that the soldiers had gambled away Jesus' clothing and points out how that is a direct fulfillment of Psalm 22, where the psalmist wrote, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. All of that scripture being fulfilled, Jesus' words being fulfilled, uh, I, I don't think we should pass over lightly because even in the midst of what is truly a disheartening scene, uh, something that I, I, I can't even imagine being a witness to, right. uh, how you don't feel dejected, how you don't feel helpless and hopeless. Um, now, in hindsight, after the Holy Spirit has come, as Jesus promised, and we'll talk, be talking about this Sunday, looking at John 14, actually, um, showing the disciples that all of this was actual God's plan, his power, his, his carrying this out in every intimate detail to be a fulfillment of the salvation he promised long ago would come for all of us. So then John picks it up in verse 24, the second half of that. The soldiers did these things, and I think John's talking about crucifying everything, mm -hmm. gambling away his clothing, but standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. And I, to me, every time I read that, that is just a, a visceral moment as a father. I, I, what do you say? How can you even imagine how Mary must have been feeling looking at her son? Right up on that cross, um, which is, I think, important to take a minute and digest, especially when going into verse 26. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, and of course he's talking about John, the disciple whom he loved, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, John, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. So John took Jesus' mom to his home? As his own mother. 
I don't understand that. Or what's the significance? Why wouldn't they stay with, with Jesus where he's being crucified? Well, they, they did. Uh, at that very hour, the disciple took her to his own home. Uh, I think is suggesting that at that moment, that relationship changed. It was no longer this is Mary, Jesus's mother, and I'm Jesus's beloved disciple. Now it's Mary, the mother of John, and John, the son of Mary. And the bigger question, I think, is what is Jesus doing? Yeah, exactly. Is it a is it is she the correct age to be his mother? Is it that type of relationship, or is it more of a of a spiritual? Well, I think at this point, it's pretty clear that Joseph has probably died because he's no longer. Yeah, that's certainly about. a hypothesis. Yep, and a strong one. We don't know that for sure, but yeah. Uh, and in that society, uh, typically, uh, a woman who didn't have sons or didn't have a husband uh, would have had a lot harder time simply existing uh-huh. uh, financially and and providing for you know if she still had kids and so here there's a little bit of a transfer happening and jesus is essentially saying you know john you're going to take care of well it's interesting right. you 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 say kids because jesus did have siblings oh that's true yeah and right. what's what's interesting is they're not mentioned here at all. I hadn't thought of that. Are they mentioned in any of the other gospels? Oh, they're mentioned not at the cross, but they're they're mentioned not in a very good way. They did not believe their brother to be who he said he was. They gave him a lot of trouble. For they, sure. They had not yet come around to faith. They will. But at this point they haven't. And so talking about the difficult position Mary would have been in. Well, now, she's the Mary of, uh, of what many at this point are claiming is a false prophet. Right. Right, a, a, an anarchist. Her own sons don't believe what this son said about himself. She's likely widowed at this point, as you said, although we can't technically prove that, but it's a solid supposition. So uh, what is Jesus doing? Amazingly. Even from the cross. From the cross. Where he's suffering dying. a pain. I mean, have you? I, this happened to me the other night. I don't know what it is when you're getting up in the middle of the night and you stub your toe. <laughs> you can't function, <laughs> right? You can't think straight. It's like everything goes cloudy around you. That it that just and it's that's so minuscule compared to what Jesus is enduring at this point. Almost as bad as stepping on a Lego. <laughs> For those parents, it's that a have special a kind of pain, right? <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> but but in the midst of of literally being torn apart and and pierced through, he's caring for. He, he's he's caring for everybody else, and and we don't get it in this gospel. But he has he has called disciples to himself through Simon of Cyrene. He has cared for the women mourning for him, and and preaching to them and calling them to faith. Um, it, it is, it's unthinkable to us, but that's because he's not us. He's the son of God. He's the perfect one. And yes, he's very much caring for his mother and, by the way, for his disciples. Mm -hmm. Because I think the other picture we're getting here is because of what Jesus has done, our faith in him makes us, in some sense, all family. 
True. We, we are to care for one another. If, if we're looking at the crucified Christ died for the sins of the world, uh, that, that he had lo- loves all of us equally, what a call that is. As Jesus said in John 13 before going to the cross, the world will know you're my disciples by how you careful for one another. love for one another. What I've done for you in washing your feet, you need to do for one another. So, verse 28, after this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said, and once again, John points out, to fulfill Scripture, Let's uh, take take a break there just to recap. To fulfill Scripture, we mentioned that several times. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, as we recapped as well, and and you specifically mentioned Psalm. Uh-huh. And Psalm is a, a book in the Bible, right? Yep. Old Testament. Yep, the book of Psalms. And, and it's wrote Old Testament, as yep. you just alluded to, before John. So, Oh, yeah. Hundreds of years. Who wrote Psalm? Uh, a number of different authors. Many of them are written by David. So when Jesus is called the son of David, that's King David of, of Israel, um, and whose line the Messiah was prophesied to come through, through the line of David. And, and so as we're reading here in John, and, and we keep mentioning, you know, as Jesus uh, fulfilled, scripture. fulfilled scripture, it's written previously and it's now coming to truth. It's all coming to fruition. Yeah. yeah, specifically Psalm sixty nine here about thirsting. Um, you know, and and if you go back to Psalm twenty two, you get a pretty detailed account of the the sour wine that he's given to drink. Uh, it's multiple uh, scriptures being fulfilled at this point. So, I think the takeaway right now is Jesus knowing that all was now finished. Well, what's finished? Is it really finished or is it just begun? Well, John's telling us all was now finished. I, it, I'm not disagreeing with you that we have an ending and a beginning happening here at the same time, but what is being finished? The work of God on why Jesus was sent to. Yeah, absolutely. And what is the work of God happening right now? Uh, the death of Jesus for our sin. Yeah, he's not dead yet. What's what's finished now? What has been taken care of in full? He paid for our sins. Yeah, the wrath of God has been exhausted. God's anger, his righteous wrath, and what he should have done to all of us. He did to one. He did to Christ. From Second Corinthians, he became sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God, it is, it is done. The full consequence for sins has been meted out upon Christ, which means we who look to Christ as our Savior, God is done punishing for sin. He does not treat us according to our sins anymore through faith in Jesus. What about those without faith? Whose sins did he pay for on the cross? Everyone. Everyone's. Even even the wicked, God does not deal with according to their sins. The 
you can go back to the Old Testament, right? It, it rains on the, the righteous and the unrighteous. The unrighteous. Mm-hmm. He's, he doesn't deal with us that way, which which I think is really important for us to digest, especially as Christians as we look into a world that maybe not often is going the way we think it should. People aren't doing the things we think they should. I think oftentimes we have to admit we want God to deal with, of course, others according to their sins. Don't deal with me according to my sins. Right. Well, and I think we also... I recently caught myself thinking about something something fairly tragic was happening to someone I know and my first sinful thought was well what did they do <laughs> <laughs> right right and and I had to immediately in this case I prayed and God I'm sorry for that thought because I already know you've revealed it to me through your clear word that you have already put everyone's sins on your son. Therefore, this person, just like everybody else walking around, God doesn't punish us for our sins in that sense. Right. Yeah. Right. Now, I will say, Jason, uh, God certainly um, does not discipline or protect or bless people that don't trust him like he does those who do. That's not because he doesn't want to. That's because he's he's not going to be a tyrant even of love and grace. They're, they're, he wants to bless us through faith. That is how he does it. That doesn't mean that he's punishing us for our sins, but it certainly does mean if we're not believing and trusting in Christ, we're missing out on a whole lot. Well, and I think it's it's very important that parents not use God as a boogeyman. Um, I happen to know a I have a relative who I have, I understand that one of the ways that she threatens her children is, you know, if you do that, God's going to punish you. Oh, yeah. And Well, it's not just parents, but pastors too. Right. Yeah, I suppose so. <laughs> right. uh, and and that's, not, that's not scriptural. That's not yeah. biblical. That's not true. It's and, not the truth. And it's how we think about God's, God's relationship with us. It, right. <clears throat> I mean, humans, I was a good. I was pretty good today. So. Yeah, that's why everything's going right. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I'm blessed, and and that must mean everything's a okay. Or the the opposite. If our life's falling apart, we think, well, God must be angry. Right. He must be disappointed. I haven't done enough, and that is not how God operates with us. That's just a recipe for disaster and despair, and. You know, I, I'm going to bring this up only because I, I've never gotten more feedback here recently than from the sermon I preached on faith and shared with uh, our audience two weeks ago here on the Eternal Connection. And I, I think it, I'm, I'm learning it's resonating with people because this is how we think of faith and its operation in our relationship with Christ that we're saved by enough faith right. or not. We're blessed if we have enough faith or not. Where Jesus says, no, it's the faith of a mustard seed that can move a mountain. And not, not because of the seed, but because of the one who planted that seed, God. So God does not treat us in the way that we treat each other. And we have to remember that not only for our own sake, but for the sake of the gospel and, and loving people as Christ has called us to do. Well, in knowing that people are fellow recipients of the fact that 
Jesus said, it is finished. Right. And being able to, I guess, get over ourselves when looking at, well, look at how that person is acting. Right. And being there for them. Yeah. Knowing that Jesus died just as much for them as they did us. Yeah, and I know that there's people hearing this, and I'm agreeing with you 100%. They're going to think, well, well, what about fill in the blank? This egregious sin, this right. egregious thing. And, and, and there, there's no doubt that those things are out there. What we're talking about isn't necessarily the common understanding of being tolerant. True. Right? Grace does not mean we give approval to what God clearly says is sin. But it should influence how we go about communicating that truth. Yes. I can be respectful, and, and I can still love someone, even if I disagree with them. And that's something that's being lost in today's society. I mean, I, I pray for that all the time. We, we, we can't have honest discussions anymore be, because something makes me feel bad. Well, I, I'm not in control of that. I'm called to tell the truth, God's truth, in a loving, respectful way, but also in a clear and direct way. Right. And so we're not talking about, uh, you know, well, Jesus forgave all your sins, so it's okay. Because you have that going on today, too, in spades, especially within the church. Sure. Churches departing from orthodox teaching in the Bible uh, and using the excuse, well, God loves everybody. Well, that's true, but not everybody goes to heaven either. True. And so we have to communicate both of those things uh, faithfully. We have to love on people, and we have to love them first with the truth. So that brings us to verse 29. After Jesus said, I thirst, a jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. All right. So Jesus is on the cross. And they give him wine on a sponge? Yeah, so he's pretty high up there. So the, the, the cross, I, I dare not give some uh, foot uh, measurement that I'm not aware of, but high enough to where they would have had to put this hyssop sponge on the end of a spear and lifted the spear up to get it to his mouth. Because he just said he, he thirsts. So they were giving him a drink. Of sour wine. Right. Not, not the best tasting stuff in the world. So is the fulfilling scripture uh, an I thirst part as well? Was that previously? Yes. In Psalm 69 is specifically what's being fulfilled. And is he actually thirsting for a drink or is it? Oh, if you know anything about what is happening biologically to Christ, which, which we haven't really gotten into, I suppose we could, but the amount of blood loss alone uh, would create massive dehydration. Uh, I mean, the, the spasming that would have been going on in his muscles and everything else at this point would have been just as painful as the open wounds on his body. Yeah, so, and, and I didn't mean to go there. I just meant a lot of times what I've learned reading through Scripture with you know you guys is sometimes I thirst could mean he literally wanted to drink something, yep. and it could mean something else. Yeah. No, you're, you're right. Uh, in this case, I, I would say what it means is that he is thirsty, uh, and yet he's also fulfilling scripture through that thirst. And, and you know, in, in, uh, in 30 here, it says, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished, and he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Yeah. 
does that fulfilling scripture continue all the way through 30 in the fact that as soon as he received some sort of drink or thirst that it would end at that point or it's just a happenstance? We don't have anything that says in prophecy that after he has this sour drink of wine, all is finished. But we can gather that from this text because Jesus says it's finished, that that's the last thing that needed to happen. To drink? To fulfill that prophecy from Psalm 69. Hmm. Yeah. And, and again, how do we see that all of this is absolutely intentional? How do we see that whether we fully understand why it had to be this way or not, Jesus definitely did know that it was finished and that this had to be done first. We can look to the very end of verse 30. He bowed his head and gave up yeah. his life. There was just a few, you know, being newer to Scripture, there's a few other things that tie here to my head, and I was sure. trying to figure out if they tie together. One would be uh, the woman at the well talking about drinking of you know okay yeah that's a good connection and, and then the other one is at the the final supper where you drink of this wine mm-hmm. so i mm-hmm. i thought you were going to say that there was some sort of connection to one of those but it sounds like it's completely separate no i wouldn't say it's separate i i would say the the direct connection to jesus being the fount of living water and the direct connection at the same time to his blood given for the forgiveness of sins is when his side is going to be pierced and blood and water are going to flow from his side. I would say that this is part of that in the sense that what Christ was deprived of, we are given to be fulfilled by. So as Christ thirsted, as he was deprived in our place, we are fulfilled through faith in what he was deprived of. His deprivation is our fulfillment. And I would say that's how they're connected. Certainly a you know, poignant time in the, the, the Bible to, to you know, account to, you know, the, the words gave up his spirit. Mm-hmm. What is that even? That, in those four words, there's a lot there. <clears throat> How do you, I mean, how do you, he gave it up because he's a God. Right. But, I mean, you or I wouldn't have the option to just give up our spirit. I don't know. It seems like a powerful four words. Absolutely right. I mean, you, you nailed it on the head. It's that simple. That despite everything this man, this God man has been through, uh, it's a fulfillment of what Jesus said in John 10, that he has received authority from his father. Uh, to do this very thing. Jesus said in John ten seventeen, for this reason, the father loves me because I laid down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. So those words of Jesus in John 10, looking towards the cross, are clearly finding their fulfillment right here and now in John 19. The only reason Jesus died was because he gave up his life. We pray our time together in God's Word has been a blessing to you and to your faith in Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and Savior of the world. 
If you enjoy listening to our program, we would love to hear from you. Go to eternalconnectionradio.com. To find our full episode archive, contact us, let us know you enjoy the show, or ask a question that Pastor Jay will answer on the air. God bless all of you. We look forward to connecting with you again next Sunday on The Eternal Connection.